Welcome to Scuba Shack Radio, episode 73, for Monday, December 6th, 2021. Scuba Shack Radio is a bi-weekly podcast in support of our mission to empower individuals with knowledge, ability, and experience to venture underwater in pursuit of their aspirations and to advocate for ocean health and sustainability. Hello again, everyone, and thank you so very much for tuning in to Scuba Shack Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Cinterpino. The calendar is now flipped to December, and we are racing towards Christmas and New Year's. Wow, it seems like it was just a few days ago that we were getting used to saying 2021. In a few weeks, we'll put this year behind us in the rearview mirror and start getting used to saying 2022. I know that we still have the uncertainty of the Omicron variant of the coronavirus out there along with Delta, but I think with the continued vaccination efforts here in the United States and the rest of the world, we're going to beat this pandemic once and for all. We continue to stay busy here at Scuba Shack, and we are very appreciative of everyone who continues to support our tiny dive shop right here in the middle of Connecticut. Today's show features an interview that I conducted with Roxanne Boonstra from the Coral Restoration Foundation in Key Largo. Roxanne coordinates their dive programs down there, and she chatted a bit with me on how that is working. But before we get to the interview with Roxanne, we'll kick things off with our news and information segment, Wet Notes. This is Wet Notes here on Scuba Shack Radio for December 6th, 2021. First up today, the third and fourth quarter issue of Alert Diver, the magazine from Divers Alert Network, has been issued. I think I got mine right after I got back from DEMA, and it came at a perfect time. As I've come to expect, the issue is packed with some great information. I can say that I don't really pass over anything because it's just that good. I do want to point out a really cool article, though, and it was written by Becky Kagan Schott. Becky is a world-renowned wreck diver and photographer. Her article covers her latest project where she went up to the Great Lakes to take pictures of the wrecks that she would then convert into 3D printouts of the wrecks. Now, this is some really cool stuff. It's too much for me to get into here, so hopefully you can get a copy of Alert Diver, check out the article, and be just as amazed as I was. Now, you've heard me talk about Sunset House on Grand Cayman several times here on the podcast. It is one of my go-to spots for a dive trip. They weren't able to make it to DEMA this year, so I thought I'd check out the latest on their reopening. And they had a COVID-19 update on their website. And the news is pretty good, if it holds in light of the Omicron variant. And that is that they plan to open up the resort again in January of 2022. Even though the Caymans have gone to their Phase 4 opening, allowing vaccinated travelers to enter, 
there is still a testing requirement. Sunset House is hoping that by delaying until January, the government will work out plans that will remove the testing requirement for vaccinated individuals and allow unvaccinated children to enter the Caymans. Great news, they are accepting reservations. Hmm, that sounds enticing. Ever wonder why there are two dive flags? The red and white diagonal striped diver's flag and the blue and white alpha flag? I never really understood why. But I recently came across an article in the Scuba News by Kathy Dowsett, and it's pretty interesting. Turns out, in 1961, the Intergovernmental Maritime Consultative Organization, or IMCO, approved the Alpha Flag to signify diving operations. But according to the article, a U.S. Navy diver, Denzel James Dockery, decided to develop a flag signifying divers in the water as well. And he started with the Bravo flag, which evolved into today's red and white diagonal dive flag. Kathy reviews the evolution of Dockery's design and why we, are, we now have the two different dive flags that tell us divers are in the water. It's an interesting read. You can check it out at the Scuba News under Scuba Features. There was some big news this week in the scuba industry, and it came from RAID. RAID is a training agency that was uh, started to train the Poseidon Mark V Discovery Rebreather back in 2007 and has evolved to include recreational open-circuit scuba diving as well as technical diving. RAID stands for Rebreather Association of International Divers. Well, their big news is that they are no longer going to charge their instructors and dive shops any membership fees. Also, all of their electronic learning is going to be free as well. We just don't know what this means yet. Now, we, Scuba Shack, is a 40-year member dive shop of Patty, and we're deeply committed to the Professional Association of Diving Instructors. But certainly, something like this gets everyone's attention. Stand by for more updates down the line. A month ago, I told you about the Raise the Reef Gala at the Coral Restoration Foundation, and they're having that in March of 2022. The date is actually March 19, 2022. At that time, I couldn't find any information about ticket prices. Well, now you can buy your tickets online. And there are four options. Individual tickets start at $225. Now, if you want to add the VIP cocktail reception to that, the price goes up to $325. You can also reserve a table of 10, starting at $3,000. So, if you happen to be planning a trip to Key Largo in March of 2022, you might want to consider attending the Coral Restoration Foundation's Raise the Reef Gala 2022. Well, that wraps up Wet Notes for Monday, December 6, 2021, and that's a nice segue into my interview with Roxanne Boonstra from the Coral Restoration Foundation. Well, 
I'm here today with Roxanne Boonstra from the Coral Restoration Foundation down in Key Largo. And uh, Roxanne is the dive program coordinator there. And she's going to come on the show today and talk a little bit about the diving. So Roxanne, thanks for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me on the show today. I really appreciate you reaching out. Yeah, great. Um, you know, we're big fans of Coral Restoration Foundation, even though we're up here in New England, we love the corals when we go out diving. And uh, we're just fan uh, really enamored with the work that you guys are doing down there. But uh, so before we start talking about the diving programs at Coral Restoration Foundation, let's talk a little bit about you. Uh, can you give us a little bit about your background? Like where you're from? How'd you get into diving? All that kind of stuff. So anything you want to talk about there? Yeah, sure. It's uh, it's kind of a convoluted background, but I grew up in the South Florida area and I was really lucky that my parents were big into nature. Uh, they were actually scuba divers too, before I was born, you know, they blame me for having stopped scuba diving, all of that kind of thing, you know, um, but they actually threw me in the water as a snorkeler at like four years old. I started diving when I was 10, uh, but I didn't really start getting into diving a lot until I started my master's program and started scientific diving. But after I got my master's degree, I did a complete 180. I wasn't sure if I wanted to continue science and you know the classic PhD path and all of that kind of thing. So instead I decided to take a bit of a break, uh, which turned into a six year break. And I worked as a dive instructor in the Cayman Islands on Little oh. Cayman Islands. And it was amazing and beautiful and fabulous. And I loved every second of it. Well, um, where were you at Little Cayman Beach Resort? I was, yeah. Oh, I was my God. I videographer for Little Cayman Beach Resort for two years. And then I worked at a small family owned place on Brack called Brack Scuba Shack. Oh, yeah. Brack Scuba Shack. Yeah. We, we saw one of their boats come over and pick us up the last time we were yeah. stranded on uh, Little Cayman because the plane oh, broke no. down. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I know how that goes. Yeah. I've done actually, I did actually a few of those trips rescuing people when the plane broke down. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. We're heading back to Little Cayman in October of this year. Yeah. October. Oh, oh 2022. Sorry. Great. Yeah, Need a dive fun. guide? I'll come yeah. with you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, hey, where'd you, you said you got your master's in science. Where'd you, where'd you get that from? I went to the University of Miami's Marine School. So the Rosa Steel School of Marine and Atmospheric Sciences, shortened to Rasmus. Oh. Yeah, I actually got it in a coral algal symbiosis. So that was oh. what my degree was in. So coral person, kind of, I guess. Yeah. Oh, no. If I tell you a secret, if you can keep a secret, uh, I'm totally a fish person. Totally. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but I work in coral because without the coral, there are no fish, you know, so... I love fish. Yeah, I'll tell you, if you, if you ever happen to over to, to Reef over there, uh, check out Amy Lee. Oh, she's not there anymore. She She's actually with Reef, but she moved over to, she's out in, in uh, the Sea of Cortez area now, but still works for Reef. Amazing fish person. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, yeah, they um, are some pretty cool people. Yeah, so then um, I saw this opportunity at Coral Restoration Foundation to be a part of their dive programs and to help head it and grow the program. I was like, well, you know, I've got this background in science. I've got a little bit of background in diving by now. And I like teaching yeah. people. So I'm going to go for it. And here I am. Yeah. How long ago was that? Five years. <laughs> wow. Five years. Okay. That's, that's and it's good. just blown by. It's been a fun time. 
Yeah. So you've always been the dive coordinator at CRF. Right? Yeah, it's been interesting. I started off uh, just coordinating the dive programs and then we wanted to grow our volunteer program. And, and then I became the volunteer coordinator as well as the dive program coordinator. Um, so really just growing our local programs and ways for people to get involved, whether they're locals, not locals, visitors, whatever it is. Um, and now I'm kind of in between again, my role has shifted again, where I standardize and do a lot of the training for our incoming interns, our incoming volunteers, a lot of our staff members, just to make sure everyone gets training standardized at the same initial level. And then I coordinate and implement and help with all of these dive programs for recreational people. So it's been a journey. Okay, very cool. So, so yeah, so let's talk a little bit about those different diving programs. You have the interns, you have volunteers. I think a lot of our people are probably a little more interested in how does a diving program work if I just happen to be in Key Largo? Yeah, exactly. So there's a lot of people who don't live in the area. They're just visiting, you know, and they really kind of want to get involved, but it might only be a day or two. So these are where these recreational programs come in. Um, if it's a group, like if you've got a bunch of friends or a dive group, you can contact me uh, and we can set up a private program sometime during the year. But otherwise, a lot of the local operators are huge fans of us, you know, for obvious reasons. And they've actually dedicated boats on certain days throughout the year specifically for coral restoration. So just as you would call and reserve a seat on a dive boat, you can call and reserve a seat on the boat for this special program. Um, so lots of the local operators have those. And it's a fun one day where we have a morning of education and then an afternoon of uh, in-water work. And it might be visiting the nursery, it might be visiting a reef, it might be some nursery maintenance. We might even be able to return corals to the reef depending on the weather. Oh, that's very cool. So, so are those... Uh dates published anywhere for people to look at or do they just need to contact CRF? Yeah, good question. If it's a private trip, they need to contact us. But otherwise, those dates with the local operators, they're listed on our website. Um, we have like a calendar kind of set up and you can scroll through it, see if there's anything that works for you. Um, and I think most of the operators have it on their websites as well, which is mm -hmm. nice. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. So somebody who uh, is thinking about maybe heading to, to Florida might look and pick a pick a date around that time that they, they can get on one of those boats. Yeah, yeah so, exactly. So now what, what do you require for certification levels for people to, to, to participate? You know, we really feel that the reefs belong to everybody. So we want everybody to be able to participate. Snorkelers are always welcome. Snorkelers won't have the hands-on experience that scuba divers do, but they get this fabulous bird's eye experience of everything going on. As far as scuba divers go, minimum open water certification. We don't really have a minimum dive requirement. We do follow what the local operators ask, and it's usually that you've been diving at least once in the last two years. The biggest caveat I would give to people is if you know you haven't been diving in a while and with COVID and everything, a lot of people are just starting to get back into diving. So if you haven't been diving in a while, maybe get in a couple of recreational dives before joining on one of these. Um, or if it's your first ocean dive, get in a few practice ocean dives beforehand. Uh, since this is like a working dive and we're actually doing stuff underwater, it's so different from a recreational trip and we want everybody to be nice and safe. So that's probably the biggest caveat, not so much a requirement. Yeah, yeah you know, uh, we hope that people have good buoyancy control and don't kick the coral and 
especially in the nurseries, right? You want you don't want any uh, oh, catastrophes yeah. happening there. Absolutely. And we try to find ways to make it easy that if someone's like a little unsure of their buoyancy, there's things that they can do and that we can do and we'll work with people. Um, mm-hmm. And in my experience, most people come out of these programs hyper aware of their surroundings, even more so than they might have been beforehand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, certainly, you know, the people that want to participate are certainly uh, conscious of coral conservation and, and preservation. So I'm sure they would not want to be uh, uh, hitting the hitting the coral or, or, or messing up. Now, what are the typical depths in the nursery? I, uh, how deep is the nursery? That's funny. I always forget to mention that. Thank you for asking. Uh, the nursery is somewhere between like oh, 30, 35 feet. I mean, oh, okay. if you dig a hole and stick a computer in it, you'll definitely hit 35 feet type mm-hmm. of thing. Um, so the nurseries are pretty shallow. Um, and then the reefs that we work on vary anywhere from as shallow as five feet to all the way down to like 20-ish maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so the nursery is a little bit more, uh, a little deeper than, than some of the other reefs that you work on now. Um, I know that there's, you, you work on a bunch of the reefs up there, uh, you know, along the Florida coast, which, you know, and, and Carrie's Ford reef always gets a lot of attention um, around, you know, things, but what, what's the, what's the one reef that you're really you're thrilled about right now? I got to say that my heart lies at Pickles Reef, 110 Pickles, Pickles yeah. Reef. Um, it's a reef that's like just off of Tavernier kind of area. Um, there's actually four or five, sorry, five different mooring balls, three that are really well known. Um, I always joke that I wish the mooring balls had been called like sweet, dough, kosher, things like that. <laughs> it's not actually the name yeah, of the reef, pity. Um, yeah. But we've worked a lot on those reefs and there's thousands of staghorn and thousands of elkhorn back on those reefs. And it was one of the reefs that I had these recreational programs out planting on when I first started. Um, And so those corals are still alive, they're growing, they're massive now. I was actually just visiting them yesterday and they look so beautiful. So that reef for me is, holds a special place in my heart. Okay. And I've never been down, you know, my diving's always been up, um, you know, Key Largo area, Molasses Reef, French Reef, you know, um, up in that area. Um, haven't gotten down there. I was at Lou Key one time a long time ago. But, Lou Key's uh, pretty. Yeah. Well, they're cheating you. Pickles Reef is literally just inshore of Molasses. Oh, it is? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So I uh, have to have to uh, get that on the, on the calendar. But, um, um, okay, so now... Uh, you say we can do it as a group if, you know, if we wanted to run a trip or something like that, if people were interested, we could get in touch with you um, and, and do something like that. But how does uh, like an individual go about doing it, um, applying? Yeah. So just check out that event on that calendar online. And uh, on our side, at least if you click on the date, it'll say a like sign up here and it'll redirect you to the website of the operators that you can sign up directly through their website. I mean, we're in the world of online reservations these days, Uh, or you can just call the operator and learn more information and they'll sign you up right then and there phone. If you don't have a buddy, totally cool. We usually have a lot of individual people on these programs. So we'll buddy you up and you'll just make a new dive friend. Um, so we get a lot of like solo divers when mm-hmm. we buddy up with someone. So do you have any uh, special equipment that people should be bringing with them or, or are you require them to have? 
Yes, gloves. <laughs> gloves. Gloves oh. are definitely recommended. They're not required by any sense of the means, but people all have very different skin sensitivities. Um, I mean, I was usually fairly anti-glove because yeah. I think gloves make it easier to touch something that you wouldn't otherwise touch. But in the nursery, when we're cleaning, I mean, there's microalgae and there's sponges and there's all sorts of stuff that can cause lots of itchiness in your hands. Um, so having those gloves just to protect yourself so that you can like, really get into the restoration yeah. work is wow. kind of helps put your mind at ease. So okay. gloves would be a great thing. And don't bring a fancy pair of dive gloves that you'll yeah. just destroy. Just go down and grab a pair of gardening gloves at the dollar store. And yeah. yeah. Well, that's interesting because, you know, you wouldn't think that you would want people wearing gloves because we're always like gloves, no way. And, and a lot of the places like, you know, you can't, get away with putting a pair of gloves on on bloody bay wall <laughs> right exactly and i had so many conversations with people about that no yeah. but this is the only time you'll hear me say gloves <laughs> oh okay very good so so it sounds like the corals are doing great and i always wonder about you know we're doing all this out planting and things like that but global warming still out there and you know are, are they just are you finding them to be hardier uh now or when they're coming out of the nurseries or it seems like they're surviving you know honestly that's that's a very honest question i'll try to be transparent yeah they're doing well every year though i mean this year was quite a warm year and we were concerned about the possibility of bleaching and all of that so we try to watch uh, a lot of like weather forecasts in advance. And if we see that it looks like it's gonna be a bleaching watch 12 weeks from now, we might slow down some of our activities in anticipation of that. All of our work centers around not stressing out corals. Um, that way they have the highest chance of survivorship when we get them back out onto the reef. That being said, um, we really try to have as much genetic diversity as possible in the population, and that will give it some inherent resilience, you know, not to get too sciencey on things. So by including as many individuals as we can, that's the way we're going to make the population stronger. Okay, I, yeah, the, the, the leaf blower guy is right outside my back window. Right <laughs> so side eye right over there. Yeah, yeah. So I'm looking out there and, and, and seeing things. So, uh, but that's great news that you know you guys are monitoring that and, and it's happening. And I know that that that, that you know, a lot of your work is is, is centered in um, in um, you know the the, um, uh, the Florida area. But uh, I also recently saw that you're going to be doing something with the uh, um, Atlantis Dive Resorts out in uh, the Philippines. Uh, oh, uh, I'm not sure about that. There's a yeah. group called the Living Planet Aquarium. Yeah, that's who it's with. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So they come down and they do some trips with us. Um, so they get some like practice work dives in with us and they're doing a project out there. Um, so really, really proud of them. They're doing an amazing job. I mean, talk about taking on a project. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, we were actually supposed to be in, in at Atlantis in Dumaguete, uh, in, in early October this year, but again, uh, things happened and, and we didn't make it out there. So a lot of things now, just, uh, you know, as we, we emerge from the COVID world, uh, are there anything uh, specifically that people have to be thinking about if they're planning a visit anytime soon to, to CRF? Yeah, we all try to be, you know, 
for us divers, COVID is a, a, is a massive concern. I mean, it's a huge concern for everybody, absolutely. But for us divers who have to expend extra energy underwater, and especially for those of us who are working underwater, keeping good health is so important. You all wanna be healthy in order for recreational diving, but when you're expending that extra energy and you're, you know, we give people a hammer to clear the substrates so that we can return corals to the reef. There's a lot of work there. So making sure people are nice and healthy and that they're ready to dive and work. I think that's probably the most critical thing. Okay, I'm not, I'm not gonna talk about uh vaccine status or anything like that it's, it's, it's pretty controversial issue sometimes but um so great so it's normal precautions um that we're all used to in these days um so um anything new coming down from you guys that you can talk about uh or give us a heads up i know spill the beans uh spoiler right, alert right. yeah um um, Drop the well, mic. <laughs> see, I'm trying to think if we've got anything special. I mean, we're always trying to come up with new things here from year to year to year. We will have, uh, you know, maybe some new, let's see, what can I say? We might be able to visit some extra reefs a little bit oh, more regularly okay. now, which will be amazing. Um, and we're hoping to find ways to get, you know, if we can get bigger repeat groups coming in. So let's say you've got a bunch of friends, you want to come down once a year, twice a year or something. Uh, we're looking to find ways to get those people to do maybe more than just the average trip. So ah. the more often people come down, I'm trying to find ways to like give them more stuff to do. Ah, so the two things we're working on cool more volunteers uh you know uh, the more you volunteer and the more you go there the more experience you gain the more valuable you can become to the to the organization so yep. yeah so don't want to get you in in any hot water with the <laughs> right. leadership down there so we'll, we'll we'll go from here um so how about you personally any dive travel coming up that you're thinking you know i know you're in the water all the time every time i send you a message it says i'm in the water today so yep pretty much <laughs> I mean, I got to say, I have so many bucket lists. Uh, I certainly missed the, I co-founded a coral nursery on Cayman Brack. I certainly missed that one. I would love to see how it's doing these days. Um, definitely, I've seen some really, really amazing opportunities, you know, look like some of the aggressors are having big discount trips. And I got to say that I just look at those keep them up on my website. I keep up the website for like a couple weeks at a time thinking about it. But no, no dive plans imminent. Um, okay. Would love to, you know, visit some. I'd love to get back across the world. I have never dove really in Indo. Went mm -hmm. to Papua New Guinea, but would like to get back over there. Okay. Some Pacific diving in would be very fun. cool. Yeah, but you're diving all the time, so I yeah, can't yeah. be too, uh, you know, can't be. Uh, uh, can't be too sorry for you with all the diving you get to do now we were just down in pompano beach uh, a week or so ago um, i had a choice key largo or pompano so we went to <laughs> pompano uh, mainly because we wanted to get up to the blue heron bridge and i don't oh, know if you've ever been so much so that we're just thinking about doing a trip down the west palm and just doing blue heron for like three days because yeah. <laughs> you know maybe that'll be my bucket list you know, yeah it's like, well, I mean, down here in Kilar before it gets too cold, maybe I'll do one more trip up to Blue Heron. It's been a couple yeah. of years. Yeah, it's yeah. gorgeous. 
So yeah, it's really, really a lot of fun. So, um, well, you know, I appreciate you, Roxanne, coming on today and uh, giving us a little bit of information, your background and, you know, some of the things that, that people can do to support Coral Restoration Foundation um, and get down there and dive. So, um, again, thanks so much for joining me today. And hopefully I'll see you down in Key Largo at some point here, not too long in the future. I hope so. Give me a shout anytime. And thanks again for having me on the podcast. Okay. Bye. Cheers. Well, I want to once again thank Roxanne for coming on the show and sharing a little bit about herself and the work that they're doing down there at the Coral Restoration Foundation. I really can't wait to get back down there to Key Largo, do some diving, check in with the Coral Restoration Foundation, and then maybe hit the pilot house for some dinner. Now, I'll be back again in a couple of weeks, right before Christmas, to wrap up Season 3 of Scuba Shack Radio. Wow. Once again, thanks for your continued support, and stay well, everyone. Scuba Shack Radio is a bi-weekly podcast in support of our mission to empower individuals with knowledge, ability, and experience to venture underwater in pursuit of their aspirations and to advocate for ocean health and sustainability. Talk to you next time.